Hi, this is Sarit Schwetzer, and welcome to the It Is Taught podcast, a podcast devoted to the teachings of Rabbi Schneir Zalman of Liadi, as recorded in his most famous work, the Tanya. My hope for this show is to make these teachings accessible and relatable to the average person, regardless of prior Jewish education or affiliation. The episodes follow the prescribed daily study portions and are meant to serve as practical lessons in how to live your life as your true self and develop an authentic and powerful relationship with your Creator. I have personally experienced the effects the study of this work has had on me, and I'm excited to share what I can of this knowledge with you. So please join me on this journey of learning, self-growth, and connection with your source. Hi, and welcome to the It Is Top podcast. This is episode 114 for the 13th of Adar Base in Alipir. It is Tainus Esther today, the fast of Esther. So for those of you who are fasting, I hope you have an easy fast. And today we are continuing chapter 37, and we're going to be talking about forgetfulness and improving your memory and how the way to do this is to bring back the smuggler. So if you remember, if you want to go back and listen to that episode where we talked about the smuggler, that would probably be very relevant to understanding today's episode. So the basic idea is, let's think about this for a second, forgetfulness. Why do we forget things? What is that all about? So often in Judaism, we know that Our lives, especially our lives right now in exile, are likened to being in a dream. And think about dreams. How often do you wake up and you know that you had a really good dream, but you don't remember it? Or maybe you remember some of the details of it, but you don't remember all of the details of it. The details seem really murky. So our exile that we live in is likened to this kind of dream in the sense that we do not, and we've been talking about this for a while now, we do not see reality very clearly. The The vision that we see, we talked about vision a couple of episodes ago and how we can't really trust what we see right now. God is not revealed here in this physical world in a true sense. So what we see and experience in this world is very murky. We're looking at things in kind of like this dreamlike state. And what our purpose here in this world is to do is to reveal the inherent reality behind everything and to reveal the inherent godliness here. And we already talked about how the way in which we do that is through doing God's mitzvahs. And why is that? Because we talked about how what is it that conceals godliness in the world? The mechanism by which godliness is concealed in the world is through something called klipos, which God created. These are literally translated as husks or shells. God created these husks with the specific purpose in mind to conceal him in the world. And there are different types of husks that cover up this true reality. And some of those husks cannot be uncovered, cannot be broken through. Uh, And God set it up in that kind of way. And the only thing we can do is to avoid those kind of things. And those are the kind of things which are forbidden to us. So for example, unkosher animals, uh, different materials that can only be used for unkosher means, for non-ungodly means. And then there are the things which are this other category of klipas, which is called klipas noga. This is a more translucent klipa. And these are also klipos, these are husks also, like shells that conceal godliness, but they're a little bit more translucent. And what that means is that they do have the capacity to be penetrated. They do have the capacity to be uncovered. And when we uncover them, they can actually become elevated to to godliness and thus reveal their inherent 
truly godly nature. So what would these things be? These would be objects in this physical world that are permitted for our use. So they're not explicitly forbidden by us. So that could be really almost everything in this world falls into this category. So that could be different kosher animals. It could be different types of rocks, different types of plants, all kinds of different things, fruits, different things like that. And when we use these objects that are more kind of neutral in nature, because yes, they are covered up by these husks, but when we use them for a godly purpose and we use them for a mitzvah, it actually uncovers the godliness within them. And we talked about in that previous episode uh, regarding the smuggler and how the smuggler is the animal soul, is that the way by which we do this, the way by which we uncover the inherent reality inside of these husks is specifically through the power of the animal soul. Because remember, we have two souls. We have the godly soul and we have the animal soul. And the godly soul, as great and holy as it is, has certain limitations to it. One of which is that it has nothing to do with physicality. It's not physical in nature at all. It has zero desire for physicality. So if we only had a godly soul, we would never be able to transform these objects and to reveal the godliness within the husks. So what we need is we need this animal soul because the animal soul has an attraction to physicality and physical objects, but yet it is spiritual in nature. So it can kind of merge the two and serve as an intermediary between the two things. And so to, and to bring this back to forgetfulness and memory and all of that is what happens basically when we do these mitzvahs, the one way that we can kind of think about it is that it can actually improve our memory because it can uncover the true reality that's hidden behind the murkiness. So it, it kind of lets this murkiness dissipate. It uncovers the veil of these klipos. And so when the murkiness dissipates then we're, and we're able to see reality for what it truly is, this inherently will improve our memory, which is why as we'll see, there's actually a statement of the sages when we get into the text that explicitly says this, that says that the, that the source of forgetfulness is in the klipos and in the body and the animal soul. And so when we utilize these things for godly purposes, then the forgetfulness dissipates as well. So let's get straight into the text and see how the Altarabba explains all of this. And hopefully we can sum it all up and see how it all comes together. So the so the Altarabba begins and he he he's leaving off from last time. So if you recall from last time, and please go back and listen to yesterday's episode if you haven't already. We were talking about the idea that in order to do a mitzvah, mitzvahs need to be done specifically with permissible objects. So for example, if somebody takes a non-kosher animal and uses that non-kosher animal to make tefillin, that's not going to (laughs) work. We need to use specifically pure animals out in order to make tefillin or a mezuzah or a sefer Torah or those kind of things. So too, if let's say if we want to take an esrog and we want to make an esrog to use on sukkahs, if we get this esrog from what's called arla, which is from the first few harvests of a tree, which is again forbidden to us, the first three harvests of the tree, we can't consider that to be an esrog. So these objects that we use for mitzvahs need to be taken from permissible objects. So today the Altar Rebbe begins this discussion by talking about the same idea when it comes to staka. When it says that when we're giving staka charity, when we're giving away our money, giving away money to to people in need, it needs to be money that is not taken from 
it, that's not stolen. So you can't, you can't be Robin Hood, basically. You can't go steal money and then give it to poor people. That will not work. That, that doesn't constitute a sucker. And, and so we can't do this or anything similar to this. And then the altar rabbi says, so, but when we do 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 these things properly, so when we do keep the mitzvahs that God told us to do and his will, then, and, and we use permissible objects to do these things, then the life force within these objects rises up and becomes nullified and encompassed in the light of the Ein Sof Baruch Hu, in the light of the infinite God, which is, what is this light? This is the will of God that is vested within them. Because now that we're using these objects for their intended use, for the for a godly use, then they no longer have this concealment of this concealment in a face upon them. So, like they no longer conceal the light of God. This similarly happens with the life force of the animal soul that is found within the organs of the body that keeps the mitzvah. So again, a very simple definition of the animal soul. What is the animal soul? Is It's the life force, the animating life force that causes the body to move and be alive. So when a person does the mitzvahs, then this animal soul that is vested within the body, it also becomes vested in this action. So when a person is actually doing the mitzvah, their soul, their animal soul is involved in this action their animal soul like we described is the one that is animating the body to allow them to do the mitzvah so thus it also rises up this animal soul itself rises up out of the klipos and becomes encompassed in the holiness of the mitzvah which is the will of god and becomes nullified to his light and so up until now we've been talking about really overtly physical mitzvahs like giving charity taking an estrog putting on tefillin you know, have, making a safer Torah, things like that. But now what about other mitzvahs, this, the ultra Ray talks about here, of that are more having to do with thought and speech, which again are the other two garments of the soul. So there's action, thought, and speech. So these are mitzvahs like learning Torah or saying Krishna or praying or those kind of things. So even though they are not, we can't call them actual physical action, right? Because it's not the same things like putting on tefillin when you sit and learn Torah or you pray or those kind of things. So it's so what makes them different is that with physical things, we're actually taking these physical objects which are encompassed in klipas noga, right? But if a certain person sits and prays, what physical object are they using? They're not using a physical object to pray and you're not using a physical object to sit and learn Torah. So the Alter Rebbe says here that there is a physical aspect involved in it because as it is taught, and this is a citation that the Alter Rebbe now brings from the Gemara of Brachos, page 20b, where it says, Hiru lav dami, dami. So, which means thought is not a substitute for speech. So meaning to say that there's this idea, if you've ever seen people learning in a yeshiva or things like that, or if when you're davening or when you see people who are davening, they're moving their lips, right? So why are they moving their lips? Because moving your lips is actually an essential part of of these mitzvahs. So it's not enough if somebody sits and reads from the sitter, but just like says the words silently in their head or is reading some book of Torah or something like that. And they're just like reading in their head and they're not saying it out loud. That's not really the proper way to learn or to pray. We're specifically <clears throat> guided to say these words out loud because 
when we say these words out loud, it actually brings it into the level of action. And then this, for this, the altar actually brings another citation also from the Gemara from Bava Mitzia, page 90b, where it says, So moving one lips, one's lips constitutes action. So here we're wondering what is the action involved in learning Torah and in prayer. And the altar Rabbi says it is action, even though we're not necessarily using a physical object like we do when we put on tefillin or that kind of thing, but we're using our physical lips. So now it has become action. And now the altar Rabbi here brings in this whole limitation of the godly soul that we were talking about, because he says that the godly soul, as we mentioned, is not able to move its lips or its mouth or its tongue or its teeth or its physical which are all these physical things right and the only way that the godly soul is able to have any kind of effect on these physical parts of our body is through the animal soul which is vested within the organs of the body and the more energy a person puts into speaking these words of Torah or prayer or whatever it is the more life force they are drawing into this animal soul through these different words. And then the altar over here brings a citation from Tehillim chapter 35, verse 10, where it says, which literally translates as all my bones shall declare. So meaning it's referring to the fact that like their entire, that David HaMelech's body, entire body was, all of his bones were involved in the Torah and the prayer that he was speaking. And then one more citation, this time from Eruvin, page 54a, where it says, which literally means if the Torah abides in all 248 limbs, it is preserved in your memory. Otherwise, it is not preserved. So this is where we're coming to the idea of memory, where the ultra Rabbi now says that what this saying from the Gemara is teaching us is that forgetfulness comes from klipa and from the body and from the animal soul because these all come from klipas noga that which once again is like the klipas noga is, is because it's a klipa it conceals godliness and so it it makes it makes everything murky and it makes us not be able to see godliness in a true way which ultimately is what leads to forgetfulness and so then but since it's from Klipas Noga, like it's not from the three impure Klipas, then the great thing about it is that when a person goes and then uses these things for godly purposes, for holy purposes, and then we bring all of their energy into the holiness of Torah and into tefillah and into prayer. So then it actually loses this, this forgetfulness dissipates. So this is the end of the section. So again, just to kind of sum everything up, what we've been learning about in this chapter and especially in this section today is this idea that the really imperative place that physicality physical objects have in our service of God and how it all works that basically we need physical objects in order to serve God and the whole purpose of creation is to transform physical reality and to reveal godliness down here in this physical reality and the amazing thing is that the way that we're able to do this is actually through our animal soul because since our animal soul is spiritual at the on the one hand, but yet it also has this inclination for physicality and it is the animating force of the body. It is specifically the force that vivifies the body and allows the body to, to perform different kind of mitzvahs. And when we do these different mitzvahs using physical objects and using our physical body and using our animal soul, since these physical objects, our physical body and our animal soul all stem from klipas noga, what we do when we do these mitzvahs is we literally actually 
uncover the veil of these clipos and we reveal the inherent godliness that resides underneath them. And one way to think about this is that we basically obliterate forgetfulness because forgetfulness, like we talked about, is this like murky state of thought where we don't really see things clearly. We don't remember things as they actually are, kind of like this like dreamlight state. And so when we can uncover the murkiness, we can lose that forgetfulness and we can actually remember things. And when we say remember things, we specifically mean remember Torah because that is the true reality of the world. So that is it for today. And we're going to continue tomorrow and I will speak to you then. Thanks for listening to the It Is Top podcast hosted by Sarit Switzer. This podcast is dedicated in loving memory of my maternal grandfather, Avraham Yitzhak ben Binyamin Cohen of Blessed Memory. Music by Shoshana. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to support the show, please share it with others and subscribe on YouTube, Apple iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And make sure to leave us a five-star review. To find out more about the It Is Taught project, including more information on my soon-to-be-published book, please visit our website, itistaught.com. To catch the latest from me, follow me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Looking forward to speaking with you tomorrow, and until then, have a great day.